Shafee? Shafee, are you on the line? No, there's not a... Uh, the ritual of pour one out. serve a cocktail, burn a cocktail. Pour one out process, no. It's just like when you're playing spades, right? Yeah. Or, or, or po- poker. It's not really like <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> surrounding Austin, Texas. That's not all that's fallen. When I got into my car over on the east side, there's just a little dusting of snow falling, which is pretty weird because it's like 48 degrees here. But I, you know, I guess you go up not very far up in the air and it gets much colder much very quickly. And there was just, yeah, just the tiniest, really where you could see it was in my backup camera on the car. You could see it swirling around. And then I noticed, like, I looked at the windshield and I noticed just the tiniest little droplets hitting it every now and then they would melt as soon as they hit the windshield but that's what's going on here on the back porch of Matthew Rampey's house at uh, 131 is the episode number of One Magical Hour a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular we have all the stuff for you today we have a song parody we have some uh, ripped straight from Wikipedia content uh, by, by a longtime listener, Dr. Grant Hall. We have a poetry corner and all the stuff that you know and love, including the minutiae that invades all of our lives. But uh, b- before we get to that, let's talk to, uh, let's hear from, well, don't worry. He'll cut out all the mafia stuff. Uh, but if you're a confident salonist, he he might get you might get him to wear a mullet. He is the off kilter cowboy. He's Matthew Rampy. Podcast. Whoa, 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 what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Podcast. Good God, y'all. What is it good for? Listen to me. Is that how that goes? Oh, they're 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 awake out there in the corporate. I think Brian Benitez just sat up straighter in his chair right now. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. All I can think about are um, protest songs these days. I might write. I might write a protest song. Do it. Like a like a Putin parody protest song. I don't mean to make light of current events. Uh, I love. I lo- I always loved that song. And when I was a kid, and like people were still po'd about nom you know yeah and uh <laughs> <clears throat> yeah done it it's it's hard to it's hard to just jovially podcast when there's so much acute suffering in the world but we're gonna give it a shot we've managed that to, doesn't mean that we don't stand in solidarity with our ukrainian brothers we've managed to do it for a year and a half now so I that's guess true keep, you're right you're right you're right it's all been under uh, under the some acute suffering <laughs> the cloud of abject suffering that actually brings me right to the first uh, the first item on the show sheet uh matthew have you ever wondered i was just wondering as we do when we sit around and think about things could could do you think vladimir putin could have invaded the ukraine a year ago when 
when the pandemic was going nuts? Or do you think the world would have just stepped right in and been like, no. No, take your tanks home, Vladimir. We're dealing with shit right now. Stand down. And, you know, that makes me wonder. To me, that seems perfectly reasonable. The whole world could have gotten together and done that. Which, you know, why can't they do that now? I mean, they're trying to now without getting into a land war with Russia. Yeah. You know, um, I think everybody is, well, most state actors are are against it, I'm quite sure. It, it seems you're talking about the timing of it. And mm-hmm. it there does seem like, to be some just as soon thought as everything was about, it's like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Some thought about the timing. This, of course, would he couldn't have done it. That scenario wouldn't work out based on my theory that he got COVID and he's got the COVID brain fog now. <laughs> he's got right. he has small uh tears and and clogs in the tiniest of his circulatory system in his brain he is not thinking carefully uh, shoot i i don't know i don't know what's going on it, it does though I, when I was thinking about war songs and like i always embarrassingly think about we didn't start the fire when, when things like this happen yeah because <sighs> I get a real sense of history repeating itself and yeah, cra- cra- like, crazy short guys going to do what crazy short guys going to do. You and know what if I mean? the world's going to bother to get Vladimir Putin out of the Ukraine, like why didn't we bother? You I, know, mean, I mean, I was reading a, an article like that people was people in the Sudan and then the people in Rwanda and the I, people in, I was reading a comparison to our Syria. Um, you know, we we got involved when Saddam Hussein uh, invaded Kuwait, mm-hmm. a tiny authoritarian regime yeah. <laughs> that really didn't have much to do with it. But you know, I, I guess we all reckon that there were other interests involved there. Yeah. You know, now Putin is is invading a, a large democracy that is contiguous European soil. It would seem. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We pro- You know what? We probably will get involved. It's still just two weeks old. And, of course, you want to pull all the levers you can before you send, um, you know, planes. And I reckon there are plenty of covert operatives already on the ground in Ukraine <laughs> lending assistance. That would be my guess. And and there's all, all other kind of overt, like, you know, funneling of weapons to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the implications of getting everybody involved and, and making making him stop or whatever. Definitely. Is, and, you know, like, it, it just doesn't work. I would, you know, I, I tell myself that I'm a pacifist, but then as soon as. You know, as soon as I start seeing images from the Ukraine, like, I don't want to try to help go, those people. Go fight? You know? Yeah. I, no, I, I don't. No, I don't want to go to war. I don't want you know. I don't want to send the poor people, you know, the disenfranchised, the younger young men in America to all go over there and die. No, I meant you with a Kalashnikov yeah. in your hand. 
<laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, that's. I've know. heard. I've heard people. I've heard sentiments of people who are, who are just like, I'm gonna go over there and fight. I I have heard there is a battalion of Americans, and there's also a couple of battalions. I don't know a battalion, a, a group, <laughs> some kind of military group of of lads that are over there to fight. Uh, and then Georgians from the not not uh, bulldogs, not the Georgia bulldogs, right. but the Georgian uh, country, uh -huh. the country of Georgia. Matt, Matt Stafford obviously doesn't care what's going on in the Ukraine. No, he just turned around and let his wife deal with it. Yeah. Um. So listen to <laughs> listen to Shafi and I figuring out this war situation. This is going to end with a. Uh, podcast moving over to the ukraine by request of our listeners spreading some <laughs> shoe black on her under our eyes that would be pretty dope if we if we went to ukraine and in in support and solidarity maybe to fight but maybe just to record the podcast paratroops down there our own little good morning ukraine yeah we can help with the Help with morale. <laughs> Is that right? Is that you think so? <laughs> Interesting story. Do you think that the podcast is a morale booster? Matthew, well, maybe not in Ukraine, but we know that it is. We know that it probably is in India, right? Yeah, it was. Shout out to our Indian listeners. They're still there. Are there still a few Indian? Maybe not in the masses that they were before when we were at the top of like, whatever that is. But we, we were like a a, a huge fad. Like a craze in India for a second. Uh, Matthew, I would like to thank, I would like to welcome two new Indian listeners by name. Okay. Rahul and Shubham. Uh, I believe they're brothers. Uh, I started Lyft driving again over the weekend. Oh, uh huh. And I picked up two guys who it's clear that they were, you know, from the from their conversation that they were uh, native Indians. Okay. And I drove there. I picked them up downtown about seven p.m. on a Friday, six thirty on a Friday. They just been at one of their offices happy hours, and I drove them all the way up. One of them lived. They were going to the one guy's house, and he lived in literally the last uh, suburban housing development before Spicewood. Okay, so I That's I out drove there. with them for a while, <laughs> and about halfway through. Uh, some of them started talking to me, and they asked me about where I was from. And uh, I guess we were talking about swimming holes, because, you know, we're headed towards Spicewood. So I mentioned Krause Springs. And uh, he, uh, they asked me where I was from. I told them a little bit, and I asked them whereabouts they were from. And they said Jaipur in the northern region. Uh, you know, it's, very, uh, it's an arid, arid part of... India and I told him, well, you know, I didn't really know much about it, but I didn't know the name, and I told him why is because, uh, you know, and I have and this... they'd heard of us, no, <laughs> but I asked them. I said, I said, did they listen? Do are podcasts popular in India? And they said, yes, they're hugely popular. And I, so I told them what was going on, and you know, I said, I actually know the name Jaipur from looking at. Uh, looking at these maps where, you know, we were getting tons we're few, of downloads. Uh, our, our scant downloads. Yeah. And they said that didn't surprise them at all. Uh, and they, you know, but they, they thought, you know, my, my thing was really funny about us trying to, trying to tailor some content to them. But the problem is like, 
if you go on we're ignoramuses. Yeah, and in English you just <laughs> the only the only news from India that gets translated to English is the humongously tragic events. Uh, you know, and it's, yeah. it's it becomes difficult for me to find good podcasting stories. And the guy said, Oh yeah, I understand that. Uh and he said, I've got one for you. He said, I was just reading a a newspaper, or whatever, from back home. And they, you know, India is a democracy. And there was a story about, you know, because they're a democracy, they have a thing in their constitution where for every every person who lives in India has to have a polling booth within like 10 miles or something or oh. 20 miles of where they live, uh -huh. you know, it's required so that everybody can vote, uh -huh. you know, even the most, you know, even the poorest folks who can't, you know, buy a bus ticket and take a day off can still vote. And, you know, most of the time that's no problem. You know, there's very populous areas of India, but there's also very oh, yeah. non-populous regions. Right. And there was this mountainous jungle region where there was just this one ascetic, like a monk living up there uh -huh. and they knew he was up there and they had to, <laughs> but there's no roads or anything. Oh. So they had to like put a, a, a ballot polling booth on the back of an, in of an elephant and march it through the woods way up in there to get within now, 10 miles of this guy. Now, were they aware that he was politically active? No, I see. Did, yeah, I don't know. Did they know if he wanted uh, yeah, to like vote? Maybe he was, yeah, if he's a monk, yeah, maybe he's abstaining. I don't know. Because a lot of these guys that are hermetic, yeah, like they're not really interested. Definitely not. And, and in fact, politics is something that encourages that sort of lifestyle. You know, that's like, no get me away from this. It's frustrating, yeah. <laughs> a society, cool, bye. <laughs> I assume that, you know, but according to the... the I, I imagine the guy... According to the Indian Constitution, I, it doesn't matter, you know? I imagine that guy going on walkabout, coming across the polling place and going, I got I got to move. Because he knows you get a polling place or a Starbucks, Starbucks. <laughs> or, or, or an AT&T <laughs> phone shop. You, you, you're too close to... Zoomanity. All of a sudden, he's trying to figure out what to watch net next on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor bastard. Yeah. Well, sorry for that guy. I, I appreciate India being, um, you know, sticking to their laws. It's got to be done. Democratic, yeah. uh, their voting access. They're, they're doing better than... Um, than Greg Abbott, you know, here yeah. in Texas, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're going through the same stuff you, here. You heard it here, folks. You know, I don't I don't like the robot beat that I chose tonight. I'm just going to randomly choose another beat. Oh, let's do it like that. I like that. It's See, that's better. That, we're having this. Good job. Pinche. Randomly picking another beat. Pinche Greg Abbott. Do they have? Do they have? Do they have uh, fascist choices uh, for governor in Indian states like we do here? We can send them some bars, I guess. They, they just know them that we're, in. we're exporting fascism to you, India. Get ready. <laughs> I'm sure they're like, mm, we've got some. <laughs> we got it. I'm sure they haven't covered. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Most places. Do. I know nothing about 
in the nuances of Indian politics. Couldn't tell you. But I'm almost <laughs> assured that there's some fascist a-hole. I bet there's some strong-willed people on that ballot. I should learn. We should learn more about Indian politics. T- say the names of those guys again. Rahul and Shabam. Get a get at us, guys. Get Shubham, at us. Sorry, Shubham and Rahul. Did you tell them the name of the podcast? Did yeah. Okay. I think I probably actually. I usually when I tell you, I stop and I make. I'm like, hey, pull up your iPhone and I'll show you where it is. <laughs> and like, okay. And then like I put it like, there's the plus button. Hit that and then you subscribe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and nice. Like, oh, I take, nice. I take them all the way through. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Got to make sure we get those downloads. They can always unsubscribe. Yeah. If they can figure it out. <laughs> Don't look in the settings. <laughs> uh, get at us, guys. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the presidential race and any other uh, any other political races that we might need to know about in the uh, great country of India, the subcontinent of India. Well, I am full of uh, terror this evening because I did not, as I dutifully often do, populate this show sheet with, mm-hmm. with Jibber Jabber. Yeah. And oh, you, wow. Really? You, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, it is just you tonight. I didn't do anything. And that was just, um, that was just cu- cutting and pasting links set for my dad. And, <laughs> and you know what? I also did not... Um, I didn't listen back like I usually do. Yeah. I, I've only listened to maybe the first twenty minutes of the last episode or less. No, no I did make it all the way through because it we, ended with Gabby's t- song, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did, did. listen. Yeah. Good. Well, I, so people have said they're enjoying the recent episodes. Yeah, I keep thinking. That we could just rubbish this thing. <laughs> no. And then somebody reaches out. Yeah. And they're like. Jameson said that he was all caught up. Dad said <sighs> he started uh, assiduously listening. He's listening backwards too. We, sh- we need to hit people back. We-, we need to get we need to get at a few of our, our listeners who gave up on us in, in the 70s or 80s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because those were the tough times. Yeah. That was a dark time indeed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean, really? Like, it's like so relative. Like, I'm sure eventually we'll be like, well, the anything before 200 was terrible. Yeah, yeah, this is like terrible. this is just like the desire for the new. That that's all podcasts are. It's just like a new conversation to listen to. 200. I think 200 is when someone's going to find us. I don't know if it's American Public Media or who. Uh, is going to find us and say, hey, guys, come on. We're going to hook you up with this producer. He's going to make you sound vastly better. And I'm going to say, oi, man. We, <laughs> oi, we don't need your producer. We's got like five of them. We got, we Thanks. Have, we have Alex and Dr. Hall. Oi, oi. Jameson. Oi, kick rocks, mate. Ellen Ferguson, Cat and Jeff. No, I'll, No, at that point, I'll hopefully be behaving myself on you know holly parks checked into this uh one magical nation holly came up to me at the bar the other night and you know if you come in and out of the podcast you don't really it's hard to tell what our relationship is with the guy driving the truck down the train tracks and uh holly had obviously come in and out of it and she was like i just want to make sure you guys understand 
you know that guy works for the railroad, right? That's funny. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's funny. She like, was like, she thought we were as just if we like were really unclear about excited that. about this guy who just drives drives renegade down the train tracks. That's funny. <laughs> like, there's people out there like that just have those the rigs on their cars. Yes. No, Holly, was, we understand. Uh, Holly, Molly, we understand that. <laughs> That that guy works for the railroad, obviously. <laughs> he works for the railroad, and he's a huge One Magical Hour fan. Yeah, he's a big fan of. You know what? He's late tonight. I was. No, eight, yeah, well, eight forty-three. Eight forty-three. He's been coming at about eight thirty-seven. That's true. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I'm. If he's okay, worried about him. <laughs> gosh, we got started early. We did. We did get started early, and last week we got started very late. Like I. We just we had just hit the record button when I went and finally c- captured it. It's in the drop. It's in. <laughs> it's part of history. Yeah. Now, that's actually what the podcast is about: is just capturing history. We can actually just go back and drop him in, and then, then he won't have missed a week. We should do that now. The now our listeners aren't going to know. If... I nope. I hear him. I think that's a car. Because first you got to hear the crossing. The crossing is right down there. If one magical hour, Schaefer's pointing north, I'm pointing south. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe it was just a car. Well, we'll hope. We'll, we'll continue podcasting and see what happens. I, I want to um, I want to tell you about a failure. Our, our, what was uh, a Tales of... Um, what was one of our first early skits? Um... Tales of Failures or Tales something? Tales of Wonder and Regret. That's not what it was called. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to listen back. Um, I think I have a poem that talks about... It, no, it was... A we, life we, we, had a, we had a segment. We wanted people to tell us about... Um, shoot. My favorite failure? Yeah. Well, let me tell you about a recent failure. Or, well, it's po- a possible failure. I don't know if you know this, but uh, in some circles, I'm known as Nostradamus Jr. No, I thought now, I, now listen. I've I've known you as Matthew Been Talking on the Taliban. Oh, yeah, there's Matthew Been Talking to the Taliban. That's that's my band. Um, but no, I'm Nostradamus Jr. Now, you might hear people say Junior Nostradamus. That is a misnomer, my friend. It's Nostradamus Jr. because I can predict the future, but just like not very far into the future. Usually it's like mm. I can tell what's going to happen this afternoon based on somebody's alcohol intake or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I I had last year in the inaugural season for the Austin FC, our, our MLS team, the legend. Austin FC, I don't know. The legend comes home, if you'll recall. Um, I predicted that it was going to take a a real long while for Austin FC to build a good team and a winning culture. I I suggested maybe it would be years, you know, before they really were able to build something. Well, the season has begun. Are you aware? So these two games have gone straight to your head. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. These two games against bad I, teams. I was I was at that first game. <laughs> and it was very exciting. I gotta say, I sat down to watch the Inter Miami game, mm-hmm. 
versus Austin FC this last Sunday. Wish I would have gone. Uh, I mean, Inter, I, I, I know they're brand new too. I'll give you this. But they have legitimate stars on that team. I'll give you this. We're beating these guys by, you know, five goals, four or five goals. It's, it's a, That's something. It's a league record. No no team has ever scored ten goals in their first two MLS games of a season. Um, Boom. That's something. Here he comes. They Inter's got DeAndre Yedlin. Do you know who that is? No. He he's he's one of the premier Team USA players in the last few years. He's been in Europe. He was playing for Galatasaray most recently. Uh. Um, Gonzalo Higuain, who is an Argentinian superstar, like he's a legitimate. He's one of those European guys that you know they've they've come to you know last to finish their career, which is great. I love it. Mm. I didn't know about that. I'm I'm like oh they got Higuain. And then they got Breck Shea at the back, who at one time was a great defender for the U.S. And I just thought, like, they as they started the game, I thought, oh, these guys have a bunch of... But, you know, some of these guys that, that Austin FC, I think, have got... Coming into their this own? This Sebastian Driussi, who I didn't really know his name. I, I'd heard it, but um, I, I think he... The, the commentators were saying that that guy's probably one of the top five guys in the MLS. And then another guy, Finlay, that they just anyway they anyway Austin FC won their first two games by five goals each. Unbelievable. Well, it was five to one against Inter Miami on Sunday. Here's our man. There he is. I'm gonna have to. He's kind of driving <laughs> slow. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's why he's late. Yeah. Usually he blasts by here a lot faster. I know, but he's driving slow to catch a bit of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the way. To hear, uh, on the way past. To hear Nusratu Jr. Catch a bit of the cast. Chastising on the himself. way past. I work for the railroad. Chastising himself for his team playing too well. <laughs> I guess it has gone to my head, Shafee. We'll see what happens up in Portland next week against the Timbers. Speaking of alter egos, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard Holly and I call each other Budge? Oh yeah. The other that goes back to an alter ego of mine that used to. He was he was quite the man about town here in Austin in the nineties. Uh, his name was Balthazar Tatiste. Oh, I remember Balthazar. Oh, right. Balthazar Tatiste uh, uh-huh. was a, a, a wealthy and entitled man who would often walk into your house, pull all of the liquor out of your liquor cabinet, and proceed to drink it all in your front yard. Oh, yeah. That was the sort of hijinks Balthazar Tatiste, because he was just... That's why you so, invite see, Balthazar to your the, house. The world belonged to him. Your liquor cabinet is too full. And uh, Budgie is a diminutive of Balthazar. Is it? Yeah. A common one? One that you did not make up? <laughs> Pretty common to us. No. <laughs> it's entirely made up. Uh, okay, okay. Doesn't make it uncommon. Okay, well, no, no. I mean, just the way you said it, you were like, <laughs> that, you know, in Czechoslovakia, <laughs> that's, and I'm aware that there's no Czechoslovakia anymore, but often Balthazars are known as Budge. No. Okay. But then you, the refrain though, it's not just that Holly calls you Budge. Yeah. You also refer to Holly back, as yeah. Budge. 
is is it because she's Balthazarian as well? Yeah, we. Well, she's does, got a bit of Tatiste. She does have a bit of the Tatiste in her. <laughs> as do we all. Most of us who hung around French Street at that time. Who's Johnny Jenkins? Doesn't don't you have a a link from your dad? We need to talk yeah. about. Well, yeah, we need to talk about Johnny Jenkins. Johnny Jenkins. Is that the same? Is there the link from your dad? Johnny Jenkins. Is that one and the same? John Holmes Jenkins, 1940-1989, American historian, antiquarian, bookseller, publisher, and poker player. Oh. Uh, oh, so, we were just talking about poker at the first of this. Yeah, episode. yeah. His, <clears throat> wait for it, his poker nickname, Austin Squatty. Uh Championship poker player in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he became known as Austin Squatty because of his habit of sitting cross-legged. <laughs> Guess the guy would play poker cross-legged in his chair, uh-huh. which is eccentric. That's uh, unusual? You're not supposed to do that? First place... Don't we call that crisscross applesauce these days? Uh, two months before his death, won first place in Las Vegas at Amarillo Slim's No Limit Hold'em earning $99,000. Whoa. Uh, but so this guy was kind of a self-taught antiquarian. He was just very interested in t- books, primarily Texas history books, and would go through. Ended up, you know, starting his own antiquarian bookstore, and then just could, and he would actually read all of the books that came through his thing. So he started writing books about Texas history and publishing them under his publishing company. Ended up publishing 300 titles under various imprints, uh, Pemberton Press and San Felipe Press. Uh, In 1971, Jenkins was instrumental in helping the FBI recover an extremely valuable portfolio of original colored engravings, uh, John James Audubon's Birds of America, stolen from Union College in Schenectady, New York. Uh, And then he proceeded to... So his thing... As he got to know more about rare books, he became an expert on the paper and stuff. And so he became work, he started working with the FBI because when people would go to do forgeries and stuff, they would go and they would find the flypaper of old books because that would be the right kind of paper. Because you know, an expert can tell if, if a, because there's so many different ways of making paper and paper ages a certain, in, in very specific ways. Oh. So they would go and they'd cut the fly pages out of antiquarian books. Wait, what's a fly page? That's the blank pages on on either side of the book, you know, inside the cover. And he became an expert at identifying that. So somebody, you know, somebody wants to, you know, forge a a, uh, certificate of authenticity for, you know, copy of the Constitution, I don't know, whatever. They go out and they find, they got to find the right paper first and they, you know, find the right. So becoming an expert on this, then he became and started working with the FBI, like found all of this stuff. They solved these uh, crazy things. But apparently 1989 near Bastrop, Texas, he was doing field research uh, on a book. Uh, He was shot in the back of the head. Oh. Uh, and mis- very mysterious circumstances, the sheriff declared it a suicide, despite the fact that they couldn't find a gun 
which <laughs> seems very unlikely. A, first, that you shoot yourself in the back of the head. B, that you somehow dispose of the gun right, in, that, right. in that scenario. Uh-huh. So, at least, at least the Wikipedia says he was killed, not he killed himself. Uh, that seems obvious. But uh, I don't know, I, I'm going to have to read some of these books. There's there's books by him, books about him on his exploits in solving these crazy like forgery and uh, 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 rare book thefts. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty pretty interesting story. The weird weird people who uh, pop up in history. Yeah, I love him. I love them. Yo, I love those weird people. Mm. Johnny Holmes Jenkins. Yep. Okay. Austin Squatty. Austin Squatty. <laughs> was he was he like a was that his I mean he was poker playing wasn't his like career, right? No, but apparently he did that well too. Uh, I yeah. see. Wow. Hmm. I mean, what do you mean by career? If it's earning <laughs> you a hundred grand a pop, then Yeah, that's I guess see, it's a kind of career. Seems careerish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it time for a poem? It's probably time for a poem. I uh, this will never happen again. <laughs> where I don't put anything on the show sheet. Oh, that's uh... the show sheet tethers me to reality, <laughs> and I I don't know. I was just sort of derelict this week, but you did great. Oh, oh, thanks. Uh, Schaefer's wearing a sweater. He's got it over his hand, and then he, he just touched my hand and knee with the sweater. Is it warm and comfortable? Comforting. It's pretty cozy. <laughs> my, did I tell you what my niece said? <clears throat> so I found this sweater, and I really like Your it. Your niece, Dottie? I don't necessarily need it. You know, I can I can handle some pretty cold weather. Or your and niece, I, Alice. My niece, Dottie. Uh-huh. Dorothy. I haven't, I think she's seven years old. I haven't had a sweater that I like this much in a while, so I've been wearing it a lot. I like that sweater. Even though, you know, I don't normally feel the need, definitely don't feel the need for any heavy jacket in Texas. And if I, you know, since I haven't had a sweater that I really liked in a while, I haven't worn one. But I've been wearing this every day since it arrived. And yesterday, uh, you know, my niece and nephew were in Mexico for 10 days, so they hadn't seen me in a while. And... Dorothy came walking into Dick's house. My dad and I were sitting at the kitchen table waiting for them to arrive. And Dorothy came walking in and what she hugged her grandpa and looked at me and said, Uncle, you're unusually fleeced today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. What a wordsmith. Why, thank you for noticing, Dorothy. Huh? It's a very interesting turn of phrase. Nice. <laughs> nice. Unusually fleeced. So... And we seen it. It was funny too because, you know, Shafi, who's always got fifteen other things to think about at any given time, didn't notice till about twenty minutes later. But he was sitting at the table. He looked over. He's like, "Why are you wearing that sweater?" <laughs> I got the different like both the Dorothy style reaction and a Shafi style reaction. Sort of a <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? Kind of oh, what you doing? That sweater, Uncle. So here we are. Well, I love that sweater. I got it just in time for it to be 80 degrees and humid again. Yeah, but but you'll have it when the polar vortex returns. When the, and you know it will. Yeah, it'll come back. Just as surely as that guy drives down the commuter rail 
in his truck. That guy's tethering me to reality. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, I know what you're thinking. You're untethered, but um, all right, I'm trying. You're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, let's see how this goes. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to read an Emily Dickinson anti-war poem. This is an anti-civil war poem. Oh. Call, it's, it's called. Same. <laughs> she did, I think anti-war poems. It doesn't matter which war it is. Emily Dickinson does not f around. This is this poem is called "It Feels Ashamed to Be Alive." Oh wow! It feels ashamed to be alive when men so brave are dead. When envies the distinguished dust permitted such a head, the stone that tells defending whom this Spartan put away what little of him we possessed in pawn for liberty. The price is great, sublimely paid. Do we deserve a thing that lives like dollars must be piled before we may obtain? Are we that weight sufficient worth that such enormous pearl as life dissolved be for us in battle's horrid bowl? It may be a renown to live. I think the man who, the, the man who die, those unsustained saviors present. Definity. She's giving <laughs> zero Fs. She uh, cuts right to it. Yeah. Speaking of. That, that's interesting because you don't really. When I think of Emily Dickinson, I don't think of like a protest song. I, Yeah. I mean, but you know. But like, I'm not super like familiar with her work. Her most famous poem is about death. So. Oh. She's not, okay. she's definitely she's intimate with violence and okay. uh, and the end of human life. So uh, that's why I knew I I knew if I typed Emily Dickinson war poem, I was gonna find something. Yeah, but uh, she even she even exceeded my high expectations with that poem. Talk about a quality turn of phrase. I hope that we've exceeded the listeners' high expectations. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, we'll be back. You know we will. For episode 132. That's going to be huge. We're cooking up a we're cooking up a guest for you next week on Magical Hour. Don't pre-promote anything because we <laughs> we rarely get our s together. <laughs> Maybe if I say it, I'll do it. Sometimes that works. In my um. Life. Yeah, I mean, if you thought the first 130 episodes were good, you should try the next 130, <laughs> of which this is the first. <laughs> of which next week will be the first. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. No, no, we're on 131. Oh, yeah, 131. Yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right. We love you, each and every one of you. Get at us if you can. Uh, feedback at onemagiclower.com. If, if you can't, if you don't email, then text us because we... Because we know you've got our text. Most of you do, yeah. Number. <laughs> Rahul uh, and his brother can just uh, hit me up on Lyft. I'll give them another ride somewhere anytime they need it. I hope those guys really help us tap into that Jaipur audience. Yeah. They will. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, oh, it tales of poor choices. Oh, God. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, the poor are the choices. The sweet of the failure. I didn't 